Welcome to Into the Paint Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tino. It's been about a month since our last episode. We left off with an episode recorded out in the world in Mexico City with Manu Prinster. I appreciated having a bit of downtime over the past month. I think it was really necessary to unwind, not only from work, but from the various personal projects I have in my life. I recognize that it is way too late to be wishing anyone a happy holidays or a happy new year, so I won't, but I will say that I hope your 2024 is off to a great start. I hope that you all feel energized and excited about your work, and at best, maybe moderately optimistic, if that is even possible given the state of the world these days. For everyone doing dry January, I'm super proud of you. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Another reason for taking some time away from the podcast was needing to be back home to be with my family during my grandfather Bruno's funeral. I hadn't been to New York in just shy of two years, and it was a sad homecoming. After traveling to Mexico in early December, a second transatlantic flight in one month felt a bit unnecessary, so I did skip the holidays in New York and regret this decision given the fact that my grandfather was alive and present and had a great time during the holidays. I think that traveling back to the U.S. is loaded for me on a few fronts, particularly in thinking about the growth I've made since I decided to move to London. The idea of stomping my feet down those familiar streets, particularly in a new state of sobriety, has probably kept me from wanting to visit more often, I regret this particularly because in my adulthood, I actually became quite close to my grandfather. Aside from the fact that I saw him after school virtually every day as a child, we had quite a bond after I graduated college. Part of sobering up has definitely come with a fair share of feelings of guilt and shame about being young and stupid, but actually when I was around my grandfather, I always felt like he was just super stoked to know that I was out in the world trying to carve out a path for myself. I thought a bit about his immigration to the United States from Italy after World War II, and although it's under very different circumstances, how my desire to try to establish a prosperous life for myself has led me back across the Atlantic to Europe. There's a lot I could say about him. I really miss him, and I was glad to get to go back to New York to celebrate his life and be around family. Speaking of family, my guest this week is newly a mother of her own family. Erin Green and I had a conversation in November last year, and it's been on the queue for release since then. This is back when Erin was extremely pregnant and was the first attempt at conducting an interview outside the walls of my studio, sort of the first house call. Erin and her partner Eric, who you've heard me mention on the show, were some of the first people that I met when I first started visiting London with Annie when we were thinking about maybe making the move here. We quickly became part of their orbit, and I really appreciate how they made us feel part of their friend group so quickly. But Erin's practice is primarily as a makeup artist. She works for major brands, which you've all definitely heard of, and have been included in editorial work in magazines across Europe and North America. Um, Have you ever heard of Vogue? Dazed? Muse, Rag and Bone, Document Journal. I think it's really important to have guests on the show who are working in ways outside of the expected visual arts paradigms. For example, working with galleries. 
But aside from Erin's commercial work, she has a unique approach to creativity that also results in personal projects that she expresses herself through in painting, photography. She's maybe even thinking of an artist book, and her background is super unique as well. I really respect Erin's work ethic and drive to be at the top of the makeup game, despite being kind of thrown into it after her first music video job. With a screamo band called The Esoteric, she promised she'd send me this music video, but I still haven't seen it. Where is it, Erin? Anyway, it was a pleasure catching up with a super pregnant Erin, whose daughter Frances Hansen Green was born just weeks after recording this. We touch upon motherhood and working in creative industries, the barriers one might face in starting a family as a young person. I know that she's been really enjoying downtime spent at home with the new family and excited to be sharing our interview with you all. Here is Erin Green. So you're eight months pregnant now? I'm eight months pregnant. Um, I will be 35 weeks on Monday. Damn. So what's the due date? December 12th. December 12th. Well, we've actually been given three due dates. December 10th, 11th, and 12th. Okay. So we're somewhere. We're somewhere in there. How does it feel? How are you feeling? Um, tired. Yeah. <laughs> I feel... It's really weird, actually. Um, the baby's like moving out, or the baby's like running out of space inside of my body. So the movements are like way m- more intense, mm. um, which m- it makes me feel like in like I, I, I like I la- yesterday asked if the baby could potentially fall out like the Kool Aid Man, like if my <laughs> if my belly just button could just separate, out. Yeah. and then she just like falls out of the front of my stomach. Right, that's kind of what it feels like sometimes. Um, is it the kind of thing that that you've the just the belly getting bigger? You kind of just feel like it's at max capacity now. At, I feel like I'm at max yeah. capacity. Has there been anything about pregnancy that has been surprising to you? Like things that you didn't expect? Or, yeah, I guess how has it lived up to expectations? I guess I didn't... I don't think that I really had any expectations. I. Eric says that the way that I'm handling this is like very utilitarian. Like someone has granted me with a task and I am like very happy to fulfill this task. Right. Like mission You're a like mission is accepted. No problem. Yeah. I will do this. <laughs> but I'm not I'm definitely not one of those women that's having like any euphoric experiences. Yeah. Um I don't dislike it, but I find that when I can't do simple things for myself, I get quite frustrated. Yeah. Uh, like what? Um, <laughs> there was like... Tying your shoes. Oh, that's yeah. like a non-thing. I like <laughs> only wear Crocs right now. That's it. My feet are like sausages. Um, no, like... So So the other night, Frank was in the bed with me and he... Frank is a, uh, is a small dog, not a person. Just so <laughs> listeners 
<laughs> my my your, your eight second pound, eight yeah. pound 15 year old yorkshire terrier um so he was in the bed with me and he has a really nasty cough so he, sometimes when he coughs a lot he ends up throwing up and uh. that will wake me up in the middle of the night so i heard him doing this cough and I, and I could feel the throwing up coming so i went to grab him and put him at least on the hardwood floor so it would be easier for me to clean up sure. in the middle of the night sounds but uh strategic in that moment um i got a really bad leg cramp and uh. i dropped frank oh, in the bed my, God. my leg seized up and i started crying and eric like woke up to me just having an absolute meltdown frank puking in the bed it was like four in the morning oh my god i was like keeled over in pain it it was well and then you have a baby to look forward to and yeah. sleepless nights and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be great i mean there's gonna be a lot more puke yeah. in my bed so yeah. i guess i should just get used to it do you feel um have you been working through the pregnancy and... i have been working yeah, yeah. um I have an amazing assistant, though, right now, who's... I've got her on retainer to be with me full-time. So she's been, like, an angel for me. Yeah. Like, whenever we travel, she's, like, at the front of the queue for the flight, like, telling people how pregnant I am and that I can't stand in lines. (laughs) And, you know, she's, like, carrying my bags for me and, you know, getting drivers to, like, open doors and, you know, She's taken on the sort of, like, accessibility role as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, So right now, I mean, I just show up to work and do makeup and that's it. I sit down and do makeup and she does everything else. So as as a kind of independent cultural worker, um, there's nothing, uh, like, you don't have, like, a maternity leave... No. Like built into your work schedule, no. right? So I have to kind of carve that out on my own. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering because, um, you know, this is something a lot of people have to take into account when they want to start a family, have a creative practice. Um, um, what are your thoughts on how to, yeah, like post uh, uh, baby birth? Mm. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> post baby birth. Post yeah, baby great. birth. Perfect. What? Yeah, what will... Uh, are you going to take some time off? Yeah, or, I'm going to take you know? time off. I mean, being in the UK, I'm a lot more calm about it than I would have been if we were still in New York. Yeah. Um, you know, I had really shitty health insurance in New York. It was like... My deductible was like seven grand, and I still paid like $600 a month. Right. And, um, you know, I've just heard from friends how much of a nightmare it is over there. Yeah, and even the cost of delivering yeah, the baby. Yeah, it's like really 20 insane, to 30 right? grand, depending on where you have the baby. Being in the UK, I feel a little bit more calm about it because, well, firstly, like my medical expenses are covered by the yeah. NHS. Um, and is there is there a cost associated with the delivery of no. the baby? No. No. Fully covered. And you're going to go with like an NHS? Uh, yeah, I've got, um, I'm actually going to do a home birth. Oh, wow. So I've got... Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like registered with the home birth team at my hospital okay. and they are wonderful. Um, home births actually only account for like 2% of births in mm. the UK. So the attention that I'm getting with my midwives um, is, is incredible. Like I've got my midwife's cell phone number and we can like text each other oh, wow. to like change appointments and stuff. So they're kind of, they're with you through... The process really yeah, yeah. The, the nhs is entirely midwife led so mm. so the only time that i would 
come in contact with the doctors, like kind of if something went wrong. Yeah. Um, and it needed to be like rushed to labor ward or, mm. but I haven't actually like interacted with a doctor at all. Yeah. I've only been dealing with my midwives and, um, and you've been reading all the books. I'm reading, well, I'm audio booking actually. Okay. I read one, which I felt good about, <laughs> but I, but I'm audio booking. I feel I, like I used to read so much. I was like such an avid like fiction reader. I'd yeah. do like two books a month. Yeah. And I, I love I fiction. Just, feel like a fucking idiot these days it like takes me six months to read yeah. one book well it's all right i mean it's also it's not the most riveting topic you know yeah. it's not like what well you're going i mean i'm on talking a... about any of them yeah, but, but yeah. <laughs> any book any yeah. book it's it's bad are but... there are there books are, is there like the big book of baby that is there like a bible <laughs> that you need to read um no, they're like, it, because I'm doing a home birth, there's definitely like certain books that people are like, you should probably uh, like take these ones on board. Yeah. Um, like Ina May is like, uh, you know, like the pioneer of midwifery in, in the US. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one that... I'm unfamiliar, actually. Anyway, but... she's, a, she's a champion in America. Yeah. <laughs> she's got like a 900 page book that's half birth stories and then half kind of like you know, like what to expect right. and, and how to go through it. But yeah. um, And is Eric reading the books too? Eric is reading some of the books. We are reading less about like actual birth and more about parenting mm. because we have a doula who's amazing and she's educated us quite a lot on like what to expect during birth. And we also took a hypnobirthing course. Oh, whoa. What's hypnobirthing? it's funny i I kind of like at the after the last session i had to ask eric like what that sounds like a weird dance move what did we just do like Like, what was that have you ever heard of hypnobirthing (laughs) Hypnobirthing. um it's basically like i mean also this is what eric like regurgitated to me afterwards because i was like what did we like what was the last four weeks spent just doing (laughs) (laughs) um it's basically like educating you and empowering you on all of your decisions and um there is, uh, you know, like we did four classes, three hours each class. Um, it's like, <clears throat> God, I don't even know how to explain are, are, it. Do really. you, is there a hypnosis element? To there it? is a hypnosis. So, so there are recordings that are like, you know, twenty to forty minute long, um, like affirmations, basically. Okay. And there's one about relaxation, and there's one about strength, and there's one about confidence, and there's one about, you know, and... And this has more to do with being a parent than actual birthing. No, this is about the birthing. Okay. This is, this okay. is kind of like, this is like your birthing experience. Okay, like, wow. you will find power, you will find confidence, you will, yeah. you know, your body, like, trust your body, like, you will relax, you will, you know, mm. it gives you little tools like, you know, breathing techniques, and, you know, they, they taught Eric um certain you know positions that we that he could like help me into to okay. like alleviate pain right. naturally while you're in labor while and I'm stuff in labor like yeah yeah um are you worried at all about the birthing I, I don't know if this is like if it's stupid but no I'm I'm not yeah. really worried I feel like this whole experience I have been so trusting of my body yeah um like 
you know, I smoked for like 20 years. And like, as soon as I found out that I was pregnant, I, I thought I, you know, I had like a stressful day at work and I was like, surely this is a moment that I need a cigarette. And it's like so mm. early on, you know, I'll just, you have, were just able to I'll quit. just have a cigarette and, and it's fine and I'll stop eventually. And I rolled a cigarette and I took four drags of it and it tasted like garbage. Wow. My mouth was like, you don't want this. Yeah. And I just haven't smoked since. Wow. Do well, you, yeah, I was wondering that too because... Um, obviously, yeah, you, you gotta kick the drinking yeah. and, and all. I mean, I've, I haven't been like super strict about no drinking. Um, I mean, I haven't been tying it on at all, obviously, sure. but, yeah. but I like, you know, in the beginning I had a glass of wine here and a glass of wine there, but that also petered out eventually. Like my yeah. taste buds were just, I'd have three sips of wine and be like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Right. Right. And my body would be like, no more. Yeah, and then do you worry about the, I don't know, not to get into the minutia, but do you worry about like the mercury and the fish and all that I stuff? I don't eat seafood and oh, I yeah, never yeah, have. Oh, yeah, that's right. I so forgot about fine. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Unless you don't know that it's in it and then you'll, yeah. right? I mean, I think the only like fish that I'm getting that I may, might not know is in it. It's like pro- probably like fish sauce when I have like... Thai know, food or something. Thai food yeah. or like Vietnamese but, or something. Yeah, I don't think know? you got to worry about mercury in no. that. It's more about like actual fish itself. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think it's the higher up the food chain you go, the more mercury. Uh, like tuna will have more mercury than a shrimp. Yeah, right. But I don't know. Yeah, both are off the table. Clearly. Me, so. <laughs> yeah, clearly it's a non-issue. I, I am... Um, I am missing cold cuts, though. Mm. We went to Tuscany. Is that because of the nitrates? Listeria. Basically, it's like, if I were to get food poisoning, it could be very, very, very dangerous for my my unborn baby. For your bambina. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, like, no raw meat, no raw eggs. Yeah. No, no raw, like, no unpasteurized cheese. Right. Um, anything that could potentially carry listeria. Okay. Um, is there any kind of, yeah, I guess you have to think about, uh, parasites. I don't know. Is that a thing? Uh, someone told me, someone the other day was like, was like, did you, have you dewormed yourself this year? And I was like, what? What? (laughs) Is that that not just something you do with dogs? Yeah. (laughs) I, and I don't know. I was like, I, wait, a human asked you if you dewormed your yeah, human body? Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I haven't thought about deworming since like all that bullshit COVID, yeah. like conspiracy. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess I'm interested in, yeah, how you like, how are you thinking about motherhood going forward in kind of your creative life? I, it's like, it's kind of hard for me to envision. So I'm actually, I've actively like pulled my line of sight nearer to me um, for the like benefit of like my own mental health, I think, because I've spent so long working at this career that I've like made for myself. Yeah. And I also started in a time when it was, you know, it when it kind of was just like an unspoken thing that like if you were a woman and you had a baby, your career was like over or uh, like at least off the table for, right. you know, a large chunk of time. So I've been really anxious about um, what things are going to look like going forward. Um, Do you have, um, 
do you have colleagues in the industry or are there people um are there people that have kind of um provided a blueprint to you mm. to think like oh you know this is this can be balanced and or i don't know how do we feel like the industry is still um yeah and, and to be more specific we're talking about you're working specifically within kind of like a fashion photography mm-hmm. industry mostly um do we still think that there's some issues to be worked out they're about supporting yeah i mean and... there honestly there is no <laughs> there's no support mm. for young mothers in my industry um maybe if you're like in a little bit more of a position of power on set like you're the creative director or the photographer or the stylist you might be able to like you know bring your baby to set you know yeah, bring your baby and to work have somebody you know pick them up a little after you feed mm. or you know like maybe somebody brings a baby for a feed in the middle of the day or but somebody in my position like there are so many makeup artists that are really good at their jobs and i think it's going to be inevitable that like some people are going to just opt to not hire me because uh i have to leave at a certain time or right. i can't you know whatever whatever you know whatever the holdup might be are are there any kind of um i'm just wondering are is there any sort of like legal protection that you could have not that um, i'm aware yeah, of yeah no my i feel like my field is like the wild wild west it's right you know like there's no if i'm not physically on set i'm not making any money mm-hmm. there's it's just like and you know People, like, it's really stressful to, like, pull a shoot together. So, you know, I can kind of, under like, it, not that it's excusable, but I can understand that, like, you know, if one person's going to be a bit of a problem for you, there's so many other moving parts that, like, you want to minimize the amount of stress mm-hmm. on yourself. So, like, you know, it might not be personal, and it might not even really have anything to do with the fact that I have a baby. It might only be the fact that, like, there's a little bit of a hang-up somewhere. Let's go with someone else. Right, right. You know, like, people wouldn't even necessarily look at what the issue is and consider it, you know? And that's all kind of prior to signing people to work. But do you work with an agent? I, ha- I have yeah. an agent, yeah. Mm. Um, is the agent able to kind of mitigate something? Because, uh, you know, I think to... Um, a lot of creative industries benefit from this kind of like unionizing or you know having some mm-hmm. kind of collective bargaining and I've always just wondered it, it, it seems at least in the fashion photography world that there might not be so much of that but then I mm-hmm. wonder like is the agent able to kind of advocate or yeah um, I mean my yeah. agent will advocate they've been really good to me you know, now where I'm pregnant and I, you know, I'm like, I, I need to have an assistant with me on every job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some people don't want that. Um, but they've put, you know, pushed for that for me. Um, and I, I like, I think that my agent will be able to manage expectations and maybe like calm people's nerves, but, uh, you know, like ahead of, ahead of time, Mm -hmm. if somebody's like, Oh, well, what if, you know, they'll be able to be like, no, it's fine. Like, don't worry. Sure. Yeah. So is your agent reading the books now? <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't say that my agent is reading the books. <laughs> I feel like there's I mean, a, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's at least been a push in like the institutional art world, I think, to think about um, sort of parent 
like childcare responsibilities mm. as mm-hmm. like an access need like a like barriers to be able to perform certain jobs like no not that it is uh it's like the art world is or institutionally working towards making it less of a barrier Mm -hmm. right so things Mm -hmm. like providing i don't know small uh, you know small extra funding that could go to things Mm -hmm. like childcare and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um is that something that you feel like is within the realm of possibility within your industry i don't i don't unfortunately like i said like you know the whole thing is like we don't have anything that even remotely resembles a union there's like you know in the states like if i pay into dis well you know i i I pay into disability i pay into unemployment Mm. but if i was to like break my arm and not be able to work i can't claim it Right. You know? In the UK. In the, in the U, in the, well, in the UK, in the UK, I could, yeah, I could claim something small, like, but I guess beyond that, there's not like, like there's no, I, I don't know, maybe I'm being really pessimistic. I, I, and I think it will change with the more people in, that have babies in mm. in my industry. More babies, guys. More babies. Come on. More babies. Well, you Start know. Start popping them out. Um, there might be more opportunities for like, uh, like shared child care or like yeah. I I don't know I Putting I don't I don't even know what it is. something right. like some kind of like help mm. or like guidance of like you know this is how you do this. Yeah, do you um, feel like your industry is kind of so built on chasing fast deadlines that, or, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, that there's not even time or budget to think about these oh kinds of things? there's no budget right? now. Yeah, right. I mean, people just want more for less now. It's crazy. I mean, you know, you have a, I often get hired and people will be like, okay, bring your assistant. And they want me to bring my assistant because there's a video set going, a main photo set going, right. a B photo set going, and there's someone doing like TikTok reels in the corner. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just being pulled in four different directions. And that would be multiple jobs in the past. That would, yeah, that yeah. would have been four, four artists watching yeah. over those four different sets. But now they want one artist and they want that artist to bring an assistant. Mm. So the assistant is actually kind of acting as an artist, so they're getting underpaid as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like everybody spread super thin. Like, you know, people are after... Like an average shot count 10 years ago might have been like 10 images. Mm. 20 years ago might have been five images. Yeah. But now, like, it's like 25 images in a day that people want. And and at that point, you don't have the time to, like... You don't have the time to get the best image yeah. because it's everything so rushed and everybody's like spread really thin. And, you know, if there's one hiccup, then the whole thing could just come crashing down. And that's kind of like then going back to what I was saying, like, you know, if there's one component that might be a problem, people will just opt to not have that. Yeah. You know, it's so, kind of almost like this race to the bottom where it's like. Who could charge the least? Who could do the most? Yeah. Who could have the, um, yeah, the least amount of other things yeah. that can. Like who's gonna who's gonna make this as as easy as possible for yeah. me? Yeah. So can let me just back up for a second. Who who do you um and I don't know yeah like 
I don't know if you're able to say, but um, who are like some of the regular clients you work with? Um, I mean, right now, uh, I mean, right now I'm working with Loewe a lot and I'm working with like Farfetch a lot. Okay. And like, you know, we do Netta Porter every now and again and like, um, there's like, I get, I get a lot of skincare jobs. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of like, um, you know, just like ASAP a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know. Few weeks before that, there was like another Korean skincare brand, and um, it's kind of all over the board, really. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> do you feel like you're mostly working for brands, or are you, um, will you also get jobs with like publications, magazines? Yeah, um, but those ones are unpaid generally. Yeah, right. I tend to do more like independent fashion magazine stuff, which is unpaid. Yeah. Um, and like, even like a brand brand partnership and sponsorship like they kind of don't give a shit about it either yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i mean that's the kind of stuff that makes you know well that's the kind of stuff that i i feel like you get the most um creative reign yeah so and you also have satisfying you also think about makeup as like a personal practice as well like as a create like literally a creative outlet totally for for sure Yeah. yeah i mean i have I try to like maintain some kind of like personal project. Yeah. Uh, at least a couple a year, one a year or two a year. Mm. Um, and it usually is like ongoing or, um, you know, sometimes it's one offs. Like I did a contribution for this um, small art publication called Hot Potato. Um, they. Was that the one that had the opening at Photo Book Cafe? Um. This is a no, while ago. No, no. Oh, that was a different one. Yeah. That, that was called Circus. Oh, right. Yeah. But um, Hot Potato is like, they're really cool, actually. So the, the way that they work is that they commission a visual artist and then they commission a writer and they don't tell each other what the other person is doing, but they kind of pair them up. Oh, interesting. So my idea was to, I had a set designer make me um, these really beautiful um ukrainian painted eggs mm. oh I, I saw this like somewhere. the um they have like a dip dye like a dip wax dye kind yeah, of tradition and yeah. they're like really intricate and beautiful mm. um so i had a set designer make me six of them or i think maybe she did eight of them and then and then i painted faces mimicking some of the designs and oh, cool. we shot it that way and and you know i, I also painted like some masks and and then my images were paired up with um, a piece of writing about um, a woman who had visited a town on the border of Poland and the Ukraine. And it was kind of all about her experience of watching people flee. Mm. And it was amazing. It was like it was, it was amazing to like read the article that was paired with my images because yeah, that is amazing. I didn't think about. It 
like the article obviously because i didn't read it i didn't know what what it was going to be about yeah you're not a mind reader no <laughs> even with all the <laughs> but, hypno but, but, and... but when you saw the two things together like existing like side by side mm. it was like it was really beautiful yeah. you know was there was there a broader theme about ukraine or was it just because a lot of people were thinking about it well it was like kind of in the beginning of the war right and it was like you know there was a lot of attention and a lot of protests and a lot of people kind of championing ukraine and right right yeah. maybe you know like i thought about the eggs because i wanted to i wanted to like nod to something positive mm. amongst uh yeah like a bit more cultural yeah yeah heritage kind like of like a celebration yeah you know um when you when you approach a like a makeup project for example are you like let's say it's a personal project such as the the face painting yeah based on the eggs mm. um are you all are you taking the photos as well or do Sometimes. you work with uh, I have. yeah like i did the like the other one that you mentioned circus um i shot that myself mm. it was um i did four different designs on the bottom of my husband's feet right <laughs> <laughs> and i i shot them all and kind of edited them all had them all printed and I like cut and pasted a collage myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, like cool. on the wall of the dining room. Yeah. And then I shot that again and had that printed uh-huh. as cool, the poster. Cool. Yeah. So it's like an A1 size poster of 12 different versions of my husband's yeah. feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because it's like, I don't know, I think about your work within kind of like a broader kind of practice of makeup but it's really you're you're sort of just a multimedia artist Mm -hmm. where there's some element that you know may have to do with skin Mm -hmm. or something like that but has it has it always been makeup for you yeah I mean it has and like my personal projects have always they've always leaned more like makeup for me is more textural and color it's like, it's not like an Instagram beat, you know, mm. or like a heavy handed, like Kardashian style, um, which is, which is totally fine. It's just a totally different it's style. It's almost like, it's almost know? like painting actually, yeah. but it always has to do with skin. Yeah. At the, like, yeah. I mean, for me, like texture is really inspiring. Mm. Um, and like use of color and different products on texture and creating different texture and layers of that and like um, finding beautiful ways to like blend things together while you're still like maintaining the integrity of like something that exists underneath it yeah. and you're like you know you're enhancing and you're or you're like I don't know it's I get really nerdy about like kind of zooming in and focusing on one tiny little area like where the yeah, hairs are and maybe right. at the root of the hair then there's like a little follicle and you can get a little bit of paint in there and mm. then it's really beautiful if you have all these little spots that are a little bit darker than somewhere else yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know like I get really kind of nerdy about that That's stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, there's a there's a technical level um, almost a chemical yeah like, yeah just understanding it, yeah. your products and like and also like the base that you're working on like you know um and how they're going to react with each other yeah. and kind of trying to like 
you know, mold it into whatever, you know, your desired outcome is. And so, I mean, sometimes when you start out, you have no idea what your desired outcome is. Mm. You just kind of like work it until it like until it arrives, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's that's kind of a pretty universal creative process. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting. I think um, I think one of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation is I think in my world, at least in my circles, I don't know a ton of makeup people, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, but it's it's like fascinating to think. And it it, it has such a tradition that um, like film and cinema wouldn't exist without mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Theater, um, even if, you, you know, we just think about like the continuum of image making, mm-hmm. even with sitting for portraits and painting. Well, right? I mean, like some of my most inspiring, you know, images are like people who like like Cindy Sherman or like Claude Cahoon or Julian Waring. Like, you know, people who who like uh, kind of like take on different personalities and they create characters and they use, Mm. you know, they use different textures and they use different like layers and they, you know, and and they photograph themselves differently. Like, I don't know. I I really find that inspiring. It's it's performative and it's beautiful. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's like kind of what I love about makeup the most is like creating a character and like building somebody out of nothing, you know, like, you know, maybe this backstory is like, you know, this is Sharon and she's from like deep Florida and, She's like a little bit rough around the edges, but like here she is. I know a couple Sharons. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here she is like at her best friend's baby shower and she's like having a beautiful day and she's feeling really soft and gentle and she got dressed up and she, you know, like, I don't know, maybe it's like some crazy, (laughs) it could be something like that. And it's really fun to like go down those roads, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. Or like, you know, a lot of times on set, for the more creative stuff, like my proposals are like, for example, like last week I went to Paris and, and I was like, I was like, guys, I think we, uh, this is it. I got an idea. We're going to paint the bottom of the feet so they're fucking filthy. And then we're going to put some grease under the toenails. And, you know, some people are like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then other people are like, wow, I love it. I get it. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's funny. I don't know, but it's really fun to do that. Yeah. Like, that's the part about it that I love, you know? So I just just to go back in time a little bit, like because you you know your practice has always kind of been in makeup. So how did how did that start? I guess where's the Erin Green origin story of makeup? Much like a lot of Erin Green origin stories, I lied my way into it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but did you were you like a makeup kid? No, no, no. I mean, it didn't really like. I wasn't extra girly. I wasn't super into makeup. I didn't... It wasn't like, I've always loved this. This is my passion. You know, like... Actually, if I'm honest, I'm like... I'm lucky that I ended up liking it. But like, the only reason that I started was because I needed a job. I was like 19 and living in LA um, and so broke. When did you move to LA? I moved to LA like 18... 19? From Canada. From Toronto. From yeah. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. And was it for college or? No. 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 Um, I dropped out of high school, actually. Oh, wow. And I was asked when I was 18 to do this tour with a band and uh, do merch. Oh, wow. So, were they a Canadian band or? No, they no. were from Florida. 
Oh, Susan or yeah, Sharon. Sharon from Florida. Maybe maybe she has an uh, maybe she actually has a real origin story. Does she have a sister? Um, she probably has a sister. Her name's Brenda. Duh. <laughs> or Crystal, maybe. All right, just opening the Coke. <laughs> okay, so you you land in LA when you're 18. Yeah. Um. And I kind of, like, I'm doing odd jobs. I, like, work in a restaurant for a bit. I work in a tattoo shop on Hollywood Boulevard for a bit. Yeah. Or, like, you know, really random. All Where were you living? I lived in West Hollywood. Okay. I shared a bedroom with that, a friend of mine. That was kind of, like, West Hollywood used to be used to be the spot, right? It was kind of. Or? I mean, it was a bit random that we lived there, actually. But it was, like, three or four of us living in this two-bedroom house. Yeah. And we were wow. kind of, like like, little rocker kids. Um, like pre-scene, mm. I guess, like just barely pre-scene. It was yeah. like, yeah. you know, all the boys that I dated were more black eyeliner than I did. Yeah, and there was like right. fingerless gloves and like really tight pants and like bullet belts and yeah. all that, that yeah, whole yeah. thing. At that point in time, I was doing the like white belt look. Oh yeah. You strong. know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't really go down that like mall uh-huh. like scene thing, uh-huh. but I definitely was like white belt, like almost like bell bottoms. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Mine. My pants were skin fucking tight. <laughs> Absolutely skin tight. Yeah, I did that too for a little while. But, yeah. Uh, okay, so you were doing merch for the band. So that's how that's kind of how I landed in LA. Really, it was like uh, I was asked from Toronto to do that. I did that for a few months, and then I just met a whole bunch of people from LA and other bands and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, um, I kind of just, yeah, I mean, like impulsively fucked off and was like, okay, bye, see ya. Yeah. And went to LA. But once I was there, needed, needed work. So I knew this guy, his name was Josh. I can't remember what he did now, but, um, anyway, he, he was like, hey dude, um, I know this guy who's a music video producer and he needs a makeup artist for this music video that he's doing. Do you want to do it? Wow. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he he was like, he's going to pay $300. And I was like, fucking, I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. But, I mean, now in hindsight, I'm like, <laughs> I did hair, makeup, styling for like three days. Yeah. And that guy paid me $300. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, we were both mutually beneficial. <laughs> yeah. It was the music video any good? You still... It was terrible. <laughs> Can we link the video in the description of this episode you can if you want to um the band's name was the esoteric they were from kansas city (laughs) of course they were and um they all had a healthy amount of black eyeliner on (laughs) um it's like skater punk kind of thing kind of like emo-ish a little bit screamo maybe kind of like hardcore meets screamo yeah yeah um and they it was like shot in the desert. I'm pretty sure there was like some mirrors yeah, involved nice. in the desert. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I kind of, I had one friend who kind of was in that scene and that um, aesthetic and <clears throat> we were both dating these girls who lived in, have you ever been to White Plains, New York? No. No, but there's a lot of malls there, okay. right? Yeah. So that's kind of like where the... Like Lids, Hot like, Topic, all yeah. those. Oh, yeah, All yeah, those yeah. fun, fun stories. And so... Pack Sun. <laughs> he would... But then, you know, I was like seeing this girl, and so I kind of would get a ride from him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny to kind of dip into that world for a little bit. 
Not going to get too personal with that one. But. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Just going to st- sit around the outside here. Yeah, there, there was a girl who she only listened to Bright Eyes and Nine Inch Nails. Oh. And I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. That's quite a combo. But now I'm like, you only listen to Bright Eyes and Nine Inch Nails? Uh, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. Okay, so you (laughs) you did the music video. Did the music video. Um, And then is it just kind of an avalanche from there? Yeah. Then ended up just this guy, obviously, because he was getting a, a steal out of me. Yeah. He ended up hiring me again and again. And I discovered Model Mayhem. What's model mayhem? Ooh, um, it was kind of like um, it was like a website where you could connect with other people in your industry, i.e., like models, hairstylists, like photographers. It was like it was yeah, it was like maybe what was what was the one before MySpace? Uh, Friendster. Friendster. Let's yeah. call it, it was like the Friendster of Jesus. like testing. I never even had a Friendster, but I definitely had a Friendster. I, I missed the days when websites did something, yeah. you know, like. But anyway, so you were able to get work through that website. I uh, kind of. Um, I did a lot of like a lot of what you call TFP, which is trade for print. <laughs> um. So I did a lot of like testing and um, practicing and yeah. kind of connecting with other people that way, which honestly didn't get me anywhere and actually took me so long to get off the internet. Like yeah. one, I deleted my profile, you know, eventually once I realized that it was doing Are lit- you sure literally nothing. Are still up there? It's finally not there, but yeah. it, it took me about four years to get it off the internet. And there was never a, there was never an urge to do like the fashion school or anything like no, that. No, I, I mean, I didn't even really, like, when I first started doing it, I didn't know that it was a job that you could do, that you could, you know, <laughs> right. like, get involved yeah. in. So it didn't even occur to me that there would be, like, a course on it. Right, yeah. Um, though, I I moved, so I moved to New York, like, three years after that. I think it was, like, 21, 20, mm. 20 21. And I want, I thought I wanted to get into hair. So I did apply for, um... The Aveda FIT school. FIT or something? No, <laughs> no uh, Aveda. The, okay. Yeah. Um, I applied for the Aveda school, but I didn't have the right paperwork in the mm, States to go to right. school. So yeah. I actually ended up winning a partial scholarship from the Aveda school, oh, but wow. I couldn't use it because I didn't have the right paperwork. Sure. Yeah, I, I did. I, I got a job in a hair salon. I worked in the hair salon for a couple of years in New York. And then I started assisting the hairstylists at the salon. They used to do fashion week shows. Okay. I started assisting them on shows, but always kind of found myself like looking at the other side of the room at what the makeup artists were doing. Right, right. So, did you like doing hair at all? or? I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I could, I, I understood it mm. and I still kind of understand it. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not the thing that like gets me going. Sure. Um, but there's a relationship, right? Like hair and makeup yeah. are kind of a, they're like the rhythm section, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like they totally. kind of go together. They and... do go together. I mean, it, uh, like oftentimes if it's, if someone asks me to do a shoot and it's not a good hairstylist or it's not somebody whose style or taste I think like works well with my style or taste and mm-hmm. it it's you know the day's going to be a little tough and you're going to have to kind of you you might not get to use the images at sure, the end of the day right right fuck um 
which is a bummer, but damn. Can you do both? Like, if if someone I was used to, to be like, both. we're gonna pay you a million dollars, and God. you're gonna do hair and makeup. I can't. I fucking hate doing hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a, a long time. I don't know. I always thought like, oh, doing hair could be a good side hustle. Like, I... it's a great side hustle. Like for my hairstylist friends that like doing hair, it's awesome. Like, you know, they, there's like set. Then you can have a salon, and you can do private clients, or you could do, you know, like there is, a, or you can like barter. Like hairstyles can barter. Like yeah. you know, like yeah, here's yeah. a haircut. Give me a massage. I don't have that to, yeah, like yeah, power. Yeah. I don't like. You yeah, know. there was a there was a girl in my college who cut my hair, yeah. and I used to help her. We were in Italian class together, uh-huh. and um, I mean, I was I was pretty bad at showing up to that class because I <laughs> I shouldn't have I just shouldn't have taken it when I did because uh-huh. it was like my dissertation year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she was really struggling with it, so I would tutor her. In Italian, and she'd cut my hair. <laughs> See, that's a good it was hustle. It's a great barter. That's a great hustle. Yeah. I mean, the best that I can do is like, I get gifted a lot of skincare stuff from brands. Yeah. So I can like, I can barter like some skincare stuff. But you can't barter that with the, the landlord. No, definitely not. The landlord doesn't want my skincare. Yeah. The landlord wants well, my they money. might. Have you tried? Maybe I should try. Yeah. Yeah. I can give it a go. We're solving housing crisis needs too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. One of the things I talked to one of my last guests about was um, how how kind of over... Well, like there's a couple issues in, within academia, which is like one, um, how professional creative industries are requiring so many qualifications for like as a barrier to get in Mm. and then two that the academic rigor is now becoming more sort of like professionalized Mm -hmm. right so that like even in a fashion school or an art school it's you're not really getting necessarily the kind of critical education that you might have once gotten Mm -hmm. because it's kind of all focused on it's like the institution is trying to churn out students mm-hmm. and trying to churn out students into an industry mm-hmm. and that industry is requiring those qualifications. But, which is which is problematic because then you have like, you know, people who are coming into my industry and then sure they have a bit of information about like what they should be doing here and there. But yeah. like, you know, I, I think the most valuable information that people in my industry need is like f- you can only get from experience. Really. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's like a hierarchy on set and like, there's certain people that whenever you're in a lower role, you shouldn't talk to. Like, it's just like professionalism, you know, it's, mm. and it's not even, it's, it's not like, um, that sounds really shitty for me to say, actually. <laughs> um, I don't mean it that way. It's not, no, it's no, not it's like. It's the etiquette. Of, like, yeah, it's just etiquette, like, right? it's like professionalism, you know, like <laughs> in any industry, like, yeah, that's you, not you know, shitty to say. you're, you're yeah. not going to like come in as like an assistant to like, you know, this person's like, whatever, like an assistant to an assistant and then go talk to the CEO. You're no, just gonna, you just right. don't do that. It's yeah. just like, you got to work your way up to it. You need sure. the experience. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. it's the same thing on set too, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, but when you have people going through like London Fashion College and stuff like that, they don't learn any of that stuff. Nobody, right, right. They, they have to learn it on set. Yeah. One of the, I used to um, TA a class at Pratt that was called uh, Professional Practices. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I loved kind of, I eventually kind of co-taught it and I loved co-teaching that class. And I think the students gained a lot out of it too, um, because we would talk about things like, how do you, how do you, like for a visual artist, for example, like, how do you deal with the gallery? Why do you need a gallery? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Right? Like practical lessons. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want, I don't know, I'm sort of of two minds on this. I think in academia, you you don't want your students to come out of your course completely unprepared for the world that they yeah. will be in. At the same time, you also don't want to, um, you know, you again, you want that space for kind of criticality. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of a tangent. I, I think what's, what's inspiring about kind of like your tra- trajectory mm-hmm. is kind of getting to uh, like a really established place in your career kind of just through perseverance right and just like working your butt off honestly that I I actually kind of I think about that sometimes there's people that I used to do shows with you know 10 years ago or whatever or people that I know used to do makeup like 10 years ago and sometimes I think to myself like a part of how I ended up here is the fact that like you gave up (laughs) yeah right you know (laughs) so you know people decided they want to do something else or they moved on to you know moved on to other things and Mm. and and because I've persevered, you know, like that, yeah. I think that definitely like feeds into it for sure. Yeah, I think in the in the visual art world, and the only reason I'm making those comparisons is just because it's one that I know a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mentors have always been like, the key is just never stop. Yeah. That's like literally it. Totally. Just like be, still be there yeah, in 10 years. For sure. Being, oh yeah, they're still doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I agree with that. I think that that is very much present in my industry as yeah. well. You know? And another thing that I like, that I think about my industry that's important is to, to also maintain your sense of self and maintain your, you know, like this is, you know, this is probably not supposed to be talked about i don't know whatever <laughs> fucking i don't care but like terry it's richardson for record. example like terry richardson always took the same fucking what photos. a fucking asshole <laughs> here we go right <laughs> but he always took the same photos he was always exactly the same fucking like photographer that he started out being that photographer he stuck around for like 20 30 years and yeah. he always took the same fucking photo and you know definitely crashed and burned towards the end but like but you know, as far as like an artist goes, it has like a a, a a statement and like a position, or maybe not not statement and position. Maybe like it's become recognizable. It, it's recognizable, and it's like identifiable. Identifiable, and there there is also something that's like I, I think this is where it gets really controversial. <laughs> but like something admirable about somebody who's like never faltering because of like what's on trend or what's right. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. If you are always like maintaining like a sense, a really strong sense of self, and you persevere, the t- combination of the two things is like, yeah, it fucking sets you up yeah, for exactly. success. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you think that you have a um, personal style? Totally. Yeah. Definitely. And what, like what? Just because I'm a little bit of an idiot when it comes to like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't have like the. Maybe I don't have the aesthetic criteria to to talk about makeup in a way that someone does. Well, so how would you describe your personal? I mean, style? I think that in terms of like being a makeup artist, I think that I'm like I, I'm I'm a little I'm 
I'm not a very common makeup artist, you know, it's not like the things that I like about makeup are not the things that people traditionally would like about right, makeup. Right, like dirty feet and yeah. yeah like yeah. yeah uh, like I would say that my style is minimal. Okay. Contemporary. Um muted. No, I'm kidding. I mean like not no actually. Yeah, like yeah. I I find um that I veer towards like simplicity. Yeah. Uh, more than I would something overly complicated. You know what you are in the in the makeup world. You're mm. like the Otto Lange. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking compliment! You're like the Otto Lange <laughs> of makeup. All right? Okay. Okay. You can blur me on that Ooh. one. <laughs> I love that. All right, I'll take it. I mean, also though, his recipes are like, you know, take five hours to cook. <laughs> yeah, but but in the end, they're pretty like I. You know, I kind of said that as a joke, but then I'm like, you know what? It's actually kind of true because then you'll just have like a radicchio thing. That's and fair. And you're like, the radicchio is like fucking singing All through right. this. Okay. You know? Yeah. I didn't uh, even sure. know radicchio could be this good. I mean, radicchio could be pretty fucking good. It could be really. I don't need it enough. <laughs> it's. It's. I think it's undervalued. Radicchio. I actually haven't really seen it in the UK. Is that a thing? You know. For a while, I was like all about it because I was making this one. Where did you get it from? I think in Dalston, there was like a good veggie place. Okay. Or yeah, that one in Newington Green. Mm. You know, the Newington Green. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. I think I used to. We don't get those around here. Nah. Up here in Tottenham. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough to find the the eco dishwashing liquid (laughs) and the Lily's dog food. All right. (laughs) We got to import it from Hackney. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> do you think, um, do you still have, do you have long-term goals that you think about in your career? Are there, yeah, for sure. Are there, um, are there multi, is it a, a multiple, is it a multiverse where there's a couple outcomes? Um, is the, or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily think about the outcome. That like the end point is not really what I focus on. Um, I think I've got I've got like a one year and then a five year. Okay. The one year is like have ex- a baby. Well, the one year is have a baby. Yeah. The one year is take your fucking mind off of work for a second yeah. and have a baby that's and become really a mother. A, that's important, right? It's important yeah. and it's been really hard actually. Yeah. I've been struggling a lot with like separating. And feeling like I need to, like, accomplish things before I take my maternity leave or, like, pushing, like, you know, at certain moments I was like, maybe I can just work right up to the end of November. And yeah. then, you know, my due date's on the 10th or 12th or whatever, it's, yeah. which seems insane. You well, know? you know what you could do? I know that um, in, you know, more like office environments for maternity leave, they'll have these days called, like, keeping in touch days. Yeah. Where someone will just kind of... Come back just to because is there a to, fear for my maternity allowance? I'm allowed to have ten keep in touch days. <laughs> <laughs> the one that you're making for yourself. Uh, actually, the UK is paying me maternity allowance. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I pay into it. Oh, so, so you so actually keep in touch day is like a legal yeah thing. Wow. Yeah. So I'm uh, because I'm self-employed, I'm getting maternity allowance, which works out to be like six hundred and twenty pounds a month, which that's is, it's listen banging. it's way more than i thought i was gonna get so yeah. i'm very fucking grateful good. for it yeah. yeah 
Um, but yeah, it, in the stipulations of that payout, you get 10 keep in touch days. Okay. And then do you have to log them as, um, uh... I mean, I feel like my industry is so hairy that you like, there would be no way to log. Yeah. You get like brunch with someone and you're yeah. like, is that a keep I'll in touch? I'll have like a coffee or like, like, I'll send one email, yeah. you know, and <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm going to be monitoring your keep in touch days. <laughs> um, Maybe that'll be my out of office. Sorry, I've used up all my keep in touch yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so so your one-year plan is kind of focus on baby. Have a baby. Um, Become and, a mother. And then what's the five-year plan look like? Um, <laughs> well, I have a book in the pipeline. Okay, right. That yeah. I'm working on with a photographer that I... I love so much. Um, Who's the photographer? His name's Parker Woods. Parker Woods. Yeah. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, we shot this book over the last year. We did like six or seven shoot days. And we have a designer working on the layout um, based in LA. His name's Patrick Slack. Patrick Slack. Shout mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And um, it's looking really beautiful. We are kind of working at trying to find a printer mm. at the minute, and that has proven to be difficult. Yeah, I think we'll get you there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Actually, to and any things of are, the listeners, actually things are looking helpful. To any of the, the listeners minute. of the podcast, I mean, we're definitely in like a publishing world. Yeah. maybe someone yeah. wants to yeah. slide into the DMs, yeah. so to speak. I mean, we're looking at like. It is a compli- it's a bit of a complicated print and we've actually like pared it back quite a lot. We we wanted to make like an object that existed yeah. that you could kind of like get your hands into and like pull apart and it sure. would be like um, fancy binding. Yeah, and, fancy yeah. binding and like a poster and a, and a placard and a postcard and you know, we yeah. wanted then we wanted to like add like white rubber bands to it and yeah. then create this like, you know, bespoke box that it would like li- you know just yeah, we had just all these like you need all big of it. plans for it but um you know what quote started coming back in and we were like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those things are quite expensive uh but anyway so book is in the works of that um I mean, actually you know having a book um <clears throat> then opens you up to i think showing in different contexts like i know that you sort of have a presence in paris for like fashion week but there's paris photo you know um, there's there's plenty of uh, i think that's happening kind of like now ish yeah but um november usually it might allow you to kind of like build audiences in a a different yeah i mean like i i don't exactly know how i get there but i'm really interested in um you know, like I've kind of always wanted to do like a retreat, mm. um, like an artist retreat, and like, like a residency, a residency, yeah. and like see, like see what happens. I don't know. Like I have shot some of my own stuff, and I do like to build characters, and I do like to, you know. Well, maybe um, actually, a residency could be a good. I don't know if that breaks like work, because if it's a residency that doesn't. Um, that doesn't pay you, yeah. right, right, like for labor, it might be a good, and there's a lot of, um, I think within the residency world, there's a lot of uh, consideration of like families mm-hmm. and yeah. um, 
And that might be an interesting thing to yeah, think about. Totally. And then you could use that time to kind of mess around with the Definitely. book. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess like five years is maybe I'll do one or two more really big personal projects. Yeah. Um, ongoing. And I don't know what they'll look like in the end, but... Um, you know, I've done like little zines before. I did, I did like a two-year project called Bruise Beautiful that was... Um, it started as me using makeup to create bruises on people and shooting them myself. Mm. And then I kind of like, you know, I just started putting them out on my Instagram and people kind of got in touch with and me. people are like, are you hating people? <laughs> <laughs> like, I did get a, quite a few weird messages walking actually. Walking around with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just smacking people in the street. Yeah. Um, but that kind of like turned into people getting in touch with me when they had bruises. So like, oh, I got hit by a car or like, you know, on my bicycle or, or oh, you know, like I, I fell over roller skating. And so I was like going to strangers houses and yeah. like shooting these like bruises Oh wow! Um, for a couple of years and got like really be- like yeah. one girl had gotten attacked by a dog in Thailand. And so her knee was like covered in oh, bruises. Oh my or God. Yeah. Another one, um, had like, like sex wounds everywhere Whoa. and, you know, bite marks and stuff all over her. Yeah. And I went, they went to her house and I shot her. And, Interesting. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that actually really relates to the, um, your take on makeup as telling a story or having yeah. a, having a background to yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And it, it was like, it was really like gratifying to, you know, I made a little zine at the end and kind of wrapped it up after two years, but it was like really gratifying to like see the final product and, and to feel like I was investing myself in something that wasn't my day to day, like cash income mm. way yeah, of making money, you know? Yeah. I feel like I need to maintain the two to keep myself sane. Yeah. I need to, I need a personal project that has literally nothing to do with making money. If anything, I, I mean, I usually end up spending a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I need to have that to to stay happy um, and, like, feel fulfilled and feel like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm still, like, invested in this, like, career that is giving back to me when I'm putting yeah. into it. Because it's, t- like, the days are long. The days are long, and it takes a lot of time. It travel a lot. Um so I kind of need the balance. Of... Yeah. Where do you work the most, you think? Is it London, Paris? Mm, no. Uh, God, I don't even know. I'm all over the place. I work a lot in Europe and New York still. I go back to New York a lot. Mm. I've been back to New York like six times this year. Wow. Um, Does New York feel weird right now? Yeah, it's a weird Yeah, vibe. everyone's like saying it's, it's weird. It's really weird. When's the last time you were I'm there? I'm very fortunate... Uh, I I haven't been there in like over a year. Wow. Okay. I did a show last year and I went back for that. Yeah. Um, and it I actually had a lot of fun on that trip mm-hmm. because I experienced New York in a weird way that I never have. Yeah. Like I was staying with a friend who traded an apartment, like apartment swap, and we were staying on like Lorimer and Seventh in Williamsburg. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, yeah. I was there for my opening and it was like, <laughs> yeah. great, you know? Yeah. But I get the sense that New York is like a really dark, angry place right now. It feels like 
It does feel heavy. The vibe's heavy. Um, all the artists left. Yeah. Which is really sad. Where did everybody go? Like, I don't know, anywhere that they could afford. <laughs> like anywhere Anywhere else. else? Anywhere Philly, that's not New York. Philly. Philadelphia. Um, North Carolina. Just Maine, having, having heaters. Vermont. <laughs> yeah, Vermont. I don't know. Everyone's in like the Catskills now or whatever. Yeah, like, a lot of people moved up to the Catskills. Um... I went on a rant about that whole movement like a couple summers ago. I think it was still like <laughs> COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd never do that because now I have to worry about like mulch. <laughs> <laughs> mulch is fun. I don't even have really know what mulch is. It's fun. It's a fun yeah. time. I, I, I don't I think I'm an, a mulch I had, an I had a house guy. in the Catskills. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it was beautiful. You, you went the opposite direction yeah. of everyone else. You kind of gave up that life. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I mean, that was like, that was my life when I was in New York. I, li- I had my apartment in the city and my house upstate. Anytime we had days off, more than 24 hours off, we'd basically go upstate mm. and we would mulch. And chop yeah. wood and wow, none of that garden. sounds appealing to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't really strike me I as mean, a, it's a country boy. To some people, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the thing I, I feel fortunate to be in London now, and London definitely has its uh, its challenges as well. Yeah. But I do, so, you know, it's one of those things where I have to inventory my life sometimes and mm. realize like. I wouldn't be able to have creative practices Mm -hmm. and I I, I wouldn't be able to accomplish all that I'm trying to in New York right now. Well, London London still has a place for artists and New York doesn't. Right. The cost of living is too high there. Um, It's just impossible. You don't have time to create. You, You don't have time to even like concept creating. Right. You know, like you walk out the door and like $50 deletes from your bank account, like Pac-Man. It's like, yeah, you're just like dropping $50 with every block that you walk. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. And it, like I used to say $20, but now it's like, yeah, you know, like a box of oat milk is like nine ninety nine. Yeah. It's, I, bit, saw... I went to, I was, I was there three weeks ago. I went to Frankl's, oh, which yeah. is a banging bagel, mm. but I had a bagel, a little bag of voodoo chips. And a soda water. And a Hal's soda water. And it cost me $19. Jesus fucking Christ. A bagel. I, and a bag of yeah. chips. A little a little bag of chips. Wait a minute. I, got, I can one-up you on this. <laughs> so I told a friend of mine who'd never been to New York. Mm. He was like, give me all the spots. So my one of my favorite bagels is Bagel Bob's. What's that? Okay. A lot of people don't know about Bagel Bob's. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's right. on University Place. Okay. Getting towards NYU. Yeah. And so if you're going downtown. Like 8th or 7th or something like that? Something like that. And mm-hmm. it's on the left. And it's this tiny little bagel spot. You'd never even see it. On the left it. if you're going south. Yeah. Hmm. The thing about their bagel mm-hmm. is it's like slightly flatter and wider than a normal it like not even intentionally it's okay. just like it's shaped like that more surface area okay. to make a sandwich okay. all right it's an excellent bagel okay anyway so i was like you got to go to bagel bobs okay my friend got three lox and cream cheese uh-huh. bagels a uh a iced tea uh-huh. and like a coffee 70 dollars <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shout out to Bagel Bob's, but I was like, that's, that's insane. insane. That's insane. 
But then I'm like, well, what costs so much? The I locks. Think I, it's got to be the locks. I mean, but that's absolutely crazy. I think I've been away from New York for too long. Oh because God, it's a mess. I think if I was there, you would just—it's sort of like boiling water. Like all if, my friends are used to it. Yeah, exactly. They're like, Everyone's they're like, like, oh, oh yeah, thirty dollars for this glass of orange wine. I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, that's just what it is, bro. Yeah. I'm like, what? I know. No. I know. Well, the other thing is, in New York, you can make a salary that's like four times totally. what we make here. Literally. But my rate, like my rate when I work in New York is, is almost, really good, is right? almost four times as much yeah, as, well. what, as what I average here. Mm. Um, and it, and is that like th- that's interesting because do you have kind of like a modular? system by which you create rates for people or not really it's, it's is that negotiated by it's, the agent it's negotiated by the agent so all over the place it's like depends on the brand and how they're going to use the images and what the usage is if it's international or if it's online only if it's going to be printed in magazines as well yeah, or yeah. like it's so there's so many variables it's kind of like all over the board really. right right it's yeah. it's hard to like and, but it's just the American companies have the bigger budgets. They've yeah. got bigger budgets, yeah. But I don't understand why that is if they're just kind of fashion... They're fashion brands. <clears throat> to me, still, like, the center of the fashion world is is like Paris, yeah. right? And kind of like most of the 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 luxury brands are well, kind of I thought mean, of as being Well, I mean, my rate's higher in Paris than it is in London as Interesting. well. Interesting, Yeah. Um, it's, well, hi- it's higher in Italy. And you're starting to, to work L- in London Asia is... too, right? No, I haven't been, no, but, I haven't been to Asia. But you were for, you said a Korean brand? Oh yeah, a like yeah. Korean skincare brand, but yeah. that job was in New York. Okay, they're, they're, gotcha. Their um, creative agency is based in New York. Okay, yeah. interesting, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. London is like, I mean, the salaries are just lower in the UK yeah. than a lot of other countries. Mm. Um, but also the cost of living is lower, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's definitely could use a bump up, but it's... Yeah. It's a pretty comfortable place to live, though. It is a comfortable place yeah, to live. Yeah, I think three years in, I'm starting to think now, like, yeah, I feel fortunate to be here. I'm, I really yeah. enjoy living here, actually. Yeah. Do you ever miss Canada? I don't miss Canada, but I'm. I don't remember. I've been gone as long as I lived there. Yeah. So, and you know, my I lived there till eighteen only. Right. So my formative years were actually in the U.S. Mm. Um, which is, which is funny when people here in the U.K. are like, "So where in America are you from?" And I'm like, "I'm not. I'm Canadian." They're like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> I kind of have like a little chuckle. <laughs> I actually think people will, when they do the where are you from question with me, they'll guess Canadian. Really? To You have I, the most New York accent. I, it's, it's awful. <laughs> I, but I, I actually think it's not because they think I'm Canadian because they don't want to be insulting. Mm. And be like, I assumed you're American, so I'm going to assume right. you're oh, Canadian. They, so they, they purposely go the other direction. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's yeah. like making, making right. up for it. Yeah. Um, the, at the other night, I was talking to someone, and I thought her name sounded like maybe it was like Lebanese or something, and I was like, so, you know, we were just in this conversation, and I was like, I don't know how I asked it, but I was like, can you guess what my uh, background is? And she just goes, East Coast? <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I was like, yeah, I guess that's my yeah. That is my background. I mean, not no. Yeah, East Coast. Yeah, East I, Coast. I put that on a on a diversity monitor. I, I mean, I'd never go Boston. Yeah, Boston's weird. Then that's a weird accent. Yeah, it's a crazy accent. Yeah, you know, I always wonder like what happens in Boston. They're stu- I feel like they're stuck in the '90s there. Yeah. When I used to go with the bands on tour, it was always like walking into like a time portal. Like mm. there would be like Gap Carpenter jeans that were just like a little bit lower than a pair of like boxer shorts that yeah. were like kind of hanging out. Right. There's a lot of like sports, like baseball caps. Yeah, like lots of those, lots of maybe like um, golf T-shirts that were like a little bit too short, so you could see the boxers hanging out right. of the Gap carpenter right, jeans. Right, right. Like a lot of that. Happening. But like, what do you do when you move to Boston? Like, it's like you a either place. like go to school or you like right. get wasted and pick fights. <laughs> it's one or the other, I think. Because <laughs> I'm always like, I theoretically like Boston, but I don't really know what happens there i don't know you know i mean i don't know i've also haven't been there in like over 15 years so when i first moved to london my i swear to god my first thought was like oh it's just a fucking old boston (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't know well anyway erin it's i'm excited for what's next i'm excited for you to take some time off yeah spend some time with the bambina yeah I don't want we we don't have to do like a reveal of anything on. I mean, what what do you mean reveal? I don't know. Like, name? Do, do we have a name? We yet? have a name, yeah. yeah. But, but you're I, not. About to, I haven't told anybody the name, so my, it's not gonna it's not gonna be dropped on the podcast. It's not gonna be on my <laughs> podcast. All no. right. No. But um, it's gonna be great. I can't wait to, I can't wait to meet the little bumbina. Bambina. It's a girl. There we yeah. go. That's okay. it. Yeah, that's, that's the that's reveal. What, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. it's a girl. And um, yeah, looking forward to what you have in store in the future. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. And for being on the podcast. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was Aaron Green. That was Ern Gern. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It was lovely to get your views on mulch and Boston and all those important things. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share it with your network. It is available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at into the paint underscore podcast. Give us a shout and we'll catch you next time.